The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Thinking this week about this, what this parable says to us, I came across a cartoon that shows a smiling, robed angel and a man standing on clouds looking at an elevator, clearly marked up for heaven and down for hell. And the man is saying, somehow I thought it would be somewhat different. <laughs> the parable begins with a rich man who is richer than anyone can imagine, clothed in purple and fine linen and feasting sumptuously, or extravagantly every day, not just at Shabbat or on high holy days, but every day, every meal. In my imagination, I picture Midas, who is remembered in Greek mythology for his ability to turn everything he touched into gold. And then Jesus tells us about this second man, a poor man, who was laid at the gates of the rich man, at the entrance to his property. In other translations, this man is called a beggar. He was dependent on, his, on help from his neighbors and community, but we never hear that he received any help from the rich man or from anyone else. All we are told about him is that he has sores that the dog licks, and we are told his name. He is named Lazarus, from the Hebrew El Azar, which means God has helped. Popular interpretations of this parable often add things that aren't part of the story. Nothing in the text says anything about ritual purity or uncleanliness. Nothing is said about either man's demeanor. Nothing is said about either man's piety or religiosity or faith, belief, or righteousness. They're just two men, one rich and well-fed, one poor and hungry. Everything else we think we know about them are assumptions we've made. However, we know from Scripture that for Torah observant Jews, and for Christians for that matter, the biblical mandate to care for the poor is clear. In Deuteronomy 15, the people are instructed, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. In wisdom literature, Proverbs says, those who despise their neighbors are sinners, but happy are those who are kind to the poor. And the rich and the poor have this in common. 
The Lord is the maker of them all. And the prophets add their two cents too. Isaiah tells the people, share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house. And Zechariah instructs us, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor. Hearing this parable, we wonder why did the rich man ignore Lazarus? Maybe he felt powerless to help. Or maybe he thought he'd be taken advantage of. Recognizing our human condition, though, it seems as likely that he never saw Lazarus as his responsibility. He either didn't care what happened to the man, or he was blind to the suffering right in front of him and never even saw the poor man. Our bewilderment is short-lived. In the verses that follow, we're told each man dies and comes to inhabit Hades, which translates literally as the unseen place. Ironically, Lazarus, who was never seen in life, is seen here. Hades, Hell, Sheol, or Gehenna are all used in Scripture to describe the place of the dead. The descriptions we have aren't literal or geographical, and our understanding of heaven and hell has changed throughout time. Those words meant something different when Jesus spoke this parable than how we understand them today. Ancient Israelites believed in a three-tiered world where heaven was above and the dead went to a morally neutral underworld below. It wasn't until the 4th century that Jews adopted the Hellenistic view of heaven as a place for the saved and hell as a place for the damned. And many of the familiar and graphic images that we might recognize today originated with Dante's 14th century epic poem, The Divine Comedy and the 15th and 16th century paintings of the Last Judgment. Those are the images that persist in popular culture today. But this parable describes a completely different place where the saved and the damned could see each other. When the rich man cries out, it's clear that the only thing that has changed is his location. His way of thinking is the same as it was in life. While he now sees Lazarus and even knows his name, he still others him, speaking about him instead of speaking directly to him. The rich man first asks Abraham to send Lazarus to bring him water. And when that fails, he asks him to send Lazarus to his five brothers, so that they might be spared the torment he's experiencing. 
he remains blind to the truth that he and Lazarus, Lazarus are both children of Abraham, brothers in God's sight. And even when Abraham tells the rich man there is a chasm that cannot be bridged, he fails to see his own complicity. His own ignorance and lack of compassion carved out that chasm. It is the same chasm he used in life to separate himself from the poor and the suffering. It is as deep as his fear and disdain, his selfishness and contempt. But now, as theologian Amy Jill Levine writes, he will spend eternity seeing what he cannot have, a wholeness that is only possible in life with God as part of the kingdom. This parable reminds us that God does not play by our rules. When we encounter God's kingdom, it is going to be different than we imagine. Just as God is beyond our knowledge and understanding now. What we know right now and what we are taught by the law and by the prophets is that we have this responsibility to pour out God's mercy and compassion here and now. Let us pray. God of heaven and earth, thank you for your mercy and grace that make us your children and heirs to your kingdom. Teach us to see people through your eyes and to love them as you love them. Make us compassionate and generous as we go out into the world to share the good news of your abundance. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.